0: everybody it's time to bark at the moon I'm back with my buddy Ed Moore we're gonna tackle another DC anthology book here an issue of House of Mystery and this one's pretty wild so get ready for some crazy crazy action here Uh, we're gonna have a good time with this one so uh, stay tuned and I'll be back in a minute uh, after this quick break
1: good evening I'm your host Frederick Lauren. Since we're all strangers to each other, let's get acquainted with the drink shall we Mr. Lauren I advise you to call this party off now the ghosts are already moving and that's a bad sign. Let me apologize for my wife. she'll join us later. What do you have? Scotch and Doctor I'll have the same. Now before the party begins, let's go over the details. The caretakers will leave at midnight locking us in here until they come back in the morning. Once the door is locked, there's no way out. The windows have bars that a jail would be proud of, and the only door to the outside locks like a vault. There's no electricity, no phone, no one within miles, so no way to call for help. Like a coffin. So, if any of you decide not to stay for the party, you must let me know before midnight. Of course, if you leave, I shan't be able to pay you anything. I'm interested in your reasons for this, uh, party. Aside from pleasant company. Ghosts, Doctor. I think everyone wonders what they would do if they saw a ghost. And now my wife has given us all the opportunity to find out. Amusing. Ghosts, etc., being only creations of hysteria, your party should be a success. But well, Pritchard here promises us genuine ghosts. Seven now. Maybe more before morning. That's cheerful.
0: Welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I'm on path here with another DC anthology book. And I have my partner in crime
2: here again with me, Ed Moore. How are you, man? Just slamming, kicking guys, groovy. Or, no, that's that's a, that was a different book. I, I'm I'm doing pretty <laughs> good, Billy. How are you, man? <laughs> I am fantastic, and
0: anytime I get to talk uh, horror comics, I am definitely uh, in my element and in pure joy. And this one is no different. So, you know, you and I are going to talk about you know, house of mystery. We've talked about house of secrets a couple of times at this point, but now we're going to be talking about a house of mystery comic. And this one is one that I didn't actually read the entire comic until fairly recent uh, times, but one of the main stories, and it has to do with the cover I had read before, because it's actually in uh, the house of mystery. There's a, uh, Oh, uh, the giant size book. I'm sorry, not the giant size. The uh, Treasury Edition has this story in it.
2: Oh, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, references uh, from the cover here. So, yeah, that one's in, in that one. It's a Limited Collector's Edition uh, number C23, and I was able to get uh, that one, and I think DC did another horror one as well, and I can't think of what the name of that one is. It was House of Mystery, and I can't remember what the other one is, but they were two really, really good ones, and that's where I read this uh a story that has to reference the cover here on this one so yeah house of mystery 179 from uh, march april 1969 cover date there and we have a cover by neil adams here so we've been talking a lot of neil adams you and i lately when we've been recording and
2: uh wow what do you think of this one this this is a, another really excellent piece of uh, neil adams artwork here very moody um looks like i think yeah it's it's raining on top of really bold lightning strikes. Um, You've got a kind of a almost witchy looking woman, I guess, uh, peering through a telescope, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. And then you've got some kids that are witnessing it. And the cool thing about the, or one of the cool things about the kid, I mean, it's Neil Adams. It's all cool. um, Is, is the, the lighting or the, the anti-shadowing that's occurring on the figures of the kids, because of the lightning bolt on the other side of the cover itself, uh, mm. I like that that juxtaposition. You know, usually um, I notice like the shadowings that they do to to show where the light source is, but this is the opposite. The light is so bright that that's what you see, and everything else is, in essence, the shadow because it's so bright. And I, I thought, Neil, uh, you you can see it on part of the house. You can see it on that witchy woman, not mm-hmm. I'm being mean about it, um, on the upper part of the the cover. But th- that lightning bolt, it's almost like he started with the lightning bolt, right? Put it first and then referenced everything else according to it. Uh, well, I, I just I thought that's cool. And that's that's my lack of real knowledge about the art. You know, I, I could be sounding like a, a a real, you know, whatever goober. Uh, but that that's what stuck out to me.
0: Yeah, this is fantastic cover, and it's like a lot of green, which, you know, maybe off the top of your head, you don't think that sounds like a really great cover, but it really is. You know, you get Dare You Enter the House of Mystery, and it's a green background, and the lettering is in purple, the word mystery. But, yeah, a lot of this cover, you know, like you said, the the stuff you were describing, like this house, the the shingles look brown, but the rest of it, you know, the kids are a green hue, the house, the woman— and we'll get into her a little bit later. But, yeah, she almost looks like a, a zombie. Uh, uh, yeah, a something,
2: yeah, something's going on with her, you can tell. she, And particularly since she doesn't really look that much like the, the children that are over here on the other part of the cover.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she has this, like, white and blue, you know, hued, uh wispy hair flying all over the place. But, yeah, really, really great job here. And, I mean... You look at the Grand Comics database and it says pencils, inks and colors, Neil Adams. And then it also says Jack Adler with colors as well. So I don't know if they collaborated or or what, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what, what happened there. But
2: either way, whoever colored it and, of course, the, the, the line work is absolutely incredible. Yep, definitely. And another cover, I think, that would work well as a poster if you expanded it to the entire Ooh. size of the comic and had the woman and even you could shift all of this up a little bit and show a little bit more of the house down here to get the detail on the house. And yeah, that, that'd make an excellent poster.
0: Yeah. Even a blacklight poster, maybe. Wow.
2: Oh <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Mm, yeah, I'd pay good money for that. So yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome cover. So what about this uh, splash page here? So, you know, we got Kane here sitting on the top of the house of mystery and he's hanging out with his pet vultures Um, This is Joe Orlando with the script and the artwork on here. What do you think of this one?
2: Um, It's very weird because I don't know many people that really have pet vultures, you know, Uh, pet ravens, maybe blackbirds, things like that. And of course, the Mm -hmm. smaller birds, but pet ravens. That was just like really. Yeah, Um, I like the the house that he is sitting on the way that it looks abandoned, particularly with the curtains flopping out outward because there's no glass on it
0: mm-hmm. yeah i almost felt like you know it's it's the background is like a, a purple uh, a, a deeper kind of purple like not like the band but just like a colored you know, deeper <laughs> purple there but uh the house is you know in the, in the omnibus it's like white with like a little bit of pink here and there and then the vulture that's in the forefront is very colorful. It's got like these yellow, golden kind of wings, some brown around the, the, the 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 fur around the neck. It's brown, you know, claws, talons, and the head is like blue. The eyes are like blood red, and a yellow beak. So that's fantastic. But then Kane has a little bit of a blue hue to him, and the curtain you were saying about in the window blowing where is blue. But that's really it. Like I almost felt like I wish there would be just a little touch more, of of, of a color or some kind of contrast
2: somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. It, it, and, and because of a, a lack of contrast. And so, you know, you almost want maybe even some different different colors because there's only like, yeah. you know, I don't know, like three or four colors that are used everywhere. And if you it seems like if you threw a couple more in, it would really contrast and, and those things would pop a little bit better, you know, wherever you put that color.
0: Yeah, even if like the windows were just brown or something, I, I don't know something just a little bit more. Because yeah, it's basically just you know purple, blue, and yellow. That's yeah, pretty yeah. much all you get out of this covering. Not that that's a, a bad scheme or anything like that. It just looks it looks a little plain or a little generic. But I think it's just because of the colors, not because of the work. Right? Yeah, you
2: you look at it and yeah, oh something is missing. I, I'm not quite sure. And you know maybe maybe some more colors would have would have helped that. Mm -hmm. and then we have
0: you know kane here he's just telling us about the house of mystery and i'm your able caretaker which is kind of Uh, an interesting word (laughs) to use there right and he says about his pet vultures and he's like they're a lot more fun than pigeons and he says follow me down into the house i've got some weird tales to tell watch your step now don't fall and uh, that leads us uh you know into the next page and he's sitting there he looks uh pretty maniacal here now this one once you get into this first story here that we'll talk about in a second this is uh uh, sour note by E. Nelson Bridwell, who, you know, long time DC, you know, stalwart. And, you know, he was a, a big Superman guy if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got Jerry Grandinetti pencils and George Rousseau's on inks and letters by Irish Snap. And it, I, I like this uh, one little panel we have here where it uh, it's uh, Kane introing the story. He says, well, it's the story hour again, folks, and I have a doozy for you. About a guy named Mark Eldon. But I'll let him tell it. He's due down at the police station any moment. And there's a cat on uh, Kane's uh, left shoulder there. I really like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, it it definitely. But is it a cat or is it just like a shadow being?
0: Yeah, it is kind of creepy because. He doesn't seem to notice it's even there, and it just blends in with the darkness that's to his left there where you see the sound effect. Tick tock, tick tock, Right, a clock ticking away there. But yeah, great, great stuff. So this one's called, like I said, Sour Note, and it's uh, pretty good now. There's only a one-liner here on the DC fandom website. It says, Ooh. "A ghost, a ghost gives a man a note that he can't read but makes everyone he shows it to hate him. <laughs> and that's pretty much uh, the gist uh, of this uh, one. But Yeah,
2: that's pretty succinct, but pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, for sure. So if this is one of those stories, though, where the, the first page here of the story, it basically shows you what's going to happen at the end. And not that it gives it away, but <clears throat> it does kind of show you, you know, a guy being brought into the uh, uh, police department here, and he's like raving, and they don't know what's going on. So uh, we get right into it. But that page two there, sour note, where it shows the car and the house, Mm -hmm. wow that is a really really good page right
2: yeah yeah i i like the house it's you know old victorian but it's different which it should be from the house of secrets so Mm -hmm. uh, i i like that very very uh, this too though the house itself could would it have been a little bit better if there had been uh, some color in there to uh, you know and and i say that I'm a huge fan of black and white art. I, I love it because it, mm-hmm. it lets you see exactly what the what the artist, the the penciler, what they put on paper. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, inking and coloring can be used to hide or to change things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't know. In in this instance, the the house just looks kind of now. Okay. You you go to the bottom, uh, essentially the bottom half of that panel, and there's a little bit more color to allow some contrast between different things. You've got a grassy hill, you've got some uh, railing uh, markers, like a guardrail, Mm -hmm. a uh, a road sign, uh, someone standing there, a car with lights. So all of these different things have subtle colors and you can definitely tell all the different aspects of these, these different elements of the picture. The house. The house has angles. It has shutters. It has windows. A door. Columns. But it, I don't know. I just I think a little bit of color somewhere somehow would have helped it more than the color that's in here. Now it's probably what one two. I think I see three shades of color. Mm-hmm. Um, a definite black, and then lighter shade. Two two other shades. Maybe one is a a purplish maybe, and one is maybe like a bluish or a light bluish, and that's it. I mean, all of those purple, blue, and black, you know, those are all the the standard shadowy kind of colors, so I I can see that, but um, I don't know. How about a light in the house? You know, one of the windows being lit, just something to break this up a little bit. I thought it kind of blobbed up a little bit there when, when the depiction of the house itself.
0: Yeah, the house just doesn't look scary at all. It just looks like an older house and like one of the shutters or one, two of the windows have shutters that are kind of like mm-hmm. falling off, falling off a bit. Otherwise, it just looks like a regular nice house. It doesn't look like a spooky house. You'd think what a scary story, right? Right. Yeah. So but I do like uh, how it, it says sour note there. And there's the guy basically running through how this all got started, maybe while he's sitting in his uh, jail cell. But Pro- <laughs> yeah,
2: probably. Yeah.
0: And he does mention that, you know, he sees this house on the top of a hill looming like something out of a Charles Adams cartoon. so I did like that reference. That was pretty cool. But basically, he was just driving down the roadway with his girl, Joyce, and they ran out of gas. So he goes up to this house to see if there's a phone or he can get some gas or whatever. And you know he meets this woman and she says something to him, but she says it in a language he doesn't understand. So then she gets a pencil and a pad and writes something down and gives it to him and Again, it's in some kind of language he can't understand, so he's just like, great. Well, while he was looking down at the, you know, writing on the pad, she disappears, and he's just like, this is creepy. And I do like that panel there on the bottom of page three. You know, like we were saying, sometimes just something little can Uh make something look so much better. And we get, you know, the ground is like a blue color, the tree's purple, and the house is green, and the guy's like, you know, white or like a very, very light shade of
2: blue but there are two windows lit in the house and it makes it look so much more creepy. Yeah. It it almost makes it look like, you know, some kind of like Halloween or Christmas uh, thing that you would set on your shelf. That's backlit, you know, got a little light inside. So Mm -hmm. it, it it seems to give it just a little bit more depth. Yeah.
0: And I mean, the story, it's a little tropey because it's, you know, Oh, me and my girlfriend ran out of gas and I go to this house and, you know, I met a girl and then, it, somebody comes along with a gas can. And is like, oh, you're lucky I came along here. I have some extra gas and this and that. And the guy's like, yeah, I went up to that house and talked to that girl up there. And the guy's like, what girl What are you talking about? Nobody's lived there since, you know, a guy went insane and then he killed his wife and this and that. And, uh, of course, uh, the guy's like, okay. And he gets in the car and <laughs> Joy says, what a wild story. Wonder if it's true. And then uh, he says, who cares? I'm interested in the note from that girl gave me though. Say, you know, some foreign languages. And it says, I parked at Joyce's house, showed her the note, and slap. She slaps him right across the face and says, you beast, how could you? And he's thinking to himself like, "Whew! that doll, meaning the woman at the house he ran into, mm-hmm. must must have written something pretty passionate. I'll find out what it is, then square things with Joyce. And this starts a chain of events for this poor sap. So he got slapped and probably dumped by his girlfriend over whatever this note says. He takes it into his boss the next day at work. And his boss says, you're fired. I'll have nobody like you working here. Get out. (laughs) So that was great. And then he takes it home to his father. And he says, he gives it to his father. And he goes, he got mad. And the father, leave this house now. You're no son of mine. Not after this. (laughs) So this poor sap, he's been, you know, fired, lost his girlfriend. And now his father disowned him over something that's on this note. Crazy, isn't it? I just
2: I don't yeah. get it. well and, and particularly, you know, it, when we mm, supposedly find out at the end of the story what's on the note, I'm still like, <laughs> and that is why all these people reacted? No, I don't, I don't think so. So the, even after the quote-unquote explanation, I think there's more going on with this than we're even told uh, by mm-hmm. the end. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting, but—
0: I love how this is my favorite thing. I tweeted this out a couple of days ago. It says, my obsession with the note really haunted me and kept me on the move. It destroyed my life, yet I have never learned what it said. I turned hobo. And this evening, I spoke to another bum. And he hands a note to a guy and says, so you know some languages. Do you? Can you read this? And the guy looks at it and says, let's see why you rotten crumb. And he beats the crap out of the guy. <laughs> yeah.
2: it's Wow.
0: I ought to break your slimy neck, he says to him. (laughs) Yeah, so this is crazy. So then a cop shows up and, you know, he's like taken to the police station. And the two cops bring him in and they're like, you know, this guy's going nutty. And he hands the note to the cop behind the desk and says, no, can you read this note? And the cop says, "Okay, if you dig the language here, Sarge, here, what do you see? What do you make of it? And the cop says, now what? Say, are you trying to put me on? Ha ha. Take a look at it, boys. And the cops start laughing and everybody's laughing. And then the clock tick tock, tick tock. And it gets to 12 and we finally see him freak out and says, no, no, it couldn't say that. It couldn't. Ah!" And he goes nuts. And the sergeant says, better lock him up till we can get a head doc. The guy's gone bananas. And then we look at the note on the desk and it says April Fool and had just turned April 1st.
2: Yeah, I, I just now here on the very last panel. Uh, Kane suggests something That is is what I Thought maybe was going on
0: Yeah he says well there goes Mark To a nice little padded room at the local Squirrel farm what's that What did the note say before he could read it Who knows maybe each person Got a different message from it That can happen when the writer's A ghost
1: (laughs) Yeah. So right. yeah,
0: that's that's that sounds pretty good to me. I like that explanation.
2: <laughs> right yeah. Rather than it actually saying what is what is written on it, maybe that was you know what we were supposed to get as, yeah, as I mean, the as the audience.
0: Yeah, and I mean there was some really good artwork in here. There was some really good uh, facial expressions, yeah, you know, from Grandinetti and Rousseau's in this one. I really thought they both did a really good job with this. But then that very last panel where we just read about what Kane had to say kane looks like this like jovial old man not like the creepy guy he's supposed to
2: yeah i I think a lot of that maybe is the angle that they chose to do it and everything and you know half of his face is shaded yeah maybe there were just some interesting choices made in in drawing that one yeah now that was a
0: pretty good one A, a little wild but pretty good i enjoyed it but the next one is called the man who murdered himself and um I do like this one, but uh, I do have a couple of questions about this one as well. You know, we'll get to them. And this was uh, written by Marv Wolfman, and art by Bernie Wrightson. And there are some notes here on uh, Grand Comics Database. It says credits from Showcase presents the House of Mystery. Earliest known professional work published for Bernie Wrightson, other than letter published in Creepy, or it says letter published in Creepy Five, October 1965, and illustration published in Creepy Nine june 1966 so other than those two things uh this this is like you know this is you know this is it and it says the specter number nine was published two weeks after this with an eight and a half page story by bernie in it so this is basically his first work which it's incredible
2: i just can't believe this is somebody's first work and and he went here from from nothing you know probably just a fan illustration probably that was in creepy to a three page illustration, and then to an eight and a half page story. So uh, d- dude is jumping up quickly uh, up the ladder of amount of work.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I just can't believe, you know, this is, you know, like January, maybe on sale date of like maybe January, 1969 or something like that. It's just, it blows my mind. to think, you know, how crazy good this guy was. And this was his first piece of work.
2: It's, right. You know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just blows my mind. I mean, don't most people start out not so
2: great and then get great. No, this guy was great from day one. Um, th- This very first panel, let, let, oh. me, let me point out the, or yeah, first panel, it's about about half a page. Uh, yeah, about mm-hmm. half a page here. This house has a lot of those elements that mm-hmm. the house in the previous story was missing. Um, And yep. I think a lot of that is due to the coloring of it. Yep. Yep. So, you know, we've we've got different shaped windows, you've got square, you've got arched windows, you've got circular windows, they're backlit, you've got ornamentation on the house that is in and out of shadow, so those elements that are out of shadow pop, because the rest of the house is in shadow, being at night, um, the night being lit by a rather full moon. This Mm -hmm. moon is really, really close. A super moon. (laughs) Because it's huge. (laughs) But you know, and you've got the tree in the foreground and the pine trees in the background, dark skies, uh, which could have used maybe some stars or something. I thought, but you know, that's that's not that big a deal. But just the house, this house has so much more texture and it looks much more three D than the house of mystery did when it appeared at the beginning of that previous story. Yep, totally agree with you here. This one, like the
0: architecture, reminds me of like you know Bavarian, you know. uh stuff like that, like that kind of architecture, you know, like something you'd see in Germany or something like that. But it's, it's an incredible illustration as this tree up front with these uh, branches coming across the house. And the house is like, like you said, it's like some of it's in shadow and the rest of it is like a green color. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really, really, really good uh, panel there. But again, I expect nothing less from Bernie Wright. Oh, Bernie Wrightson. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the man who murdered himself. Uh, Victor Warfield and his wife move into an old mansion In 1882, Warfield notices that the mansion was built by Andrew Darwood, but it was eventually taken over by a man named Anton Dickerson. Warfield speculates that Dickerson might have murdered Darwood to take possession of the mansion. A hooded figure then appears to Warfield one night and offers to reveal the mansion's history. He recounts that the mansion was built by Darwood using stolen money. The paranoid Darwood reinvents himself as Anton Dickerson in order to avoid his pursuers. Warfield then inquires as to how the hooded figure knows all of these facts. At this point, the hooded figure pulls off his hood and is revealed to be the ghost of Anton Dickerson, the man who murdered himself. So, all right. Well, that kind of, you know, we're there with the story already. But artwork wise, again, Bernie Wrightson, like you said, that opening page, the half page that's there with the house and everything looks
2: absolutely incredible. Um, But, you know, he gets the figures really well here, too. Yes, I was just going to mention that through the entire thing. The faces, first of all, uh, but then, you know, the rest of the body, everything is, is in proportion. Everything is doing what it's supposed to do. If the figure is supposed to represent being stationary, it looks stationary. If it's supposed to be moving, it looks moving. So uh, I think even more than, you know, the, the, the house, it's, it's a pretty picture. But his mm-hmm. line work on the figures is just outstanding. Even the two portraits that are just in black and white, eh, essentially, mm-hmm. of Darwood and Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Just oh, outstanding. Thank you, Bernie.
0: Mm. Mm, yeah, what a master. He's, you know, another guy we lost in the last you know few years here. It's just a shame. But yeah, what a master he was. And it's interesting because this story, you know. Like they said, you know, all of a sudden this guy's, you know, wondering what happened with these uh, previous owners. And this hooded figure just appears out of nowhere in his living room, like in front of his fireplace, being like, ah, I'm going to get warm here. And I'm like, and that's all he says is, you know, hey, you're a ghost. How'd you get in here? I'd be like, yo, get out of here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First of all, even be, before saying you're a ghost, I'd be like, get out. Yeah. What bills you paying around here? Get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yep. crazy. But he's like, yo, you know, you want to hear about the history of this house. And then he's like, Yes, please go on. And, you know, he goes on to say about, you know, exactly what I said in the synopsis about these, uh, this guy building his house with stolen money. So then he basically changed his identity, which, okay, cool. I have no problem with that. And then on story page two here, we get Kane again outside the house. And uh, he says, you know, he's, you know, kind of like moving the story along a little bit, but that's kind of wild that he appeared like right back in the middle of the story again.
2: I, yeah, I don't, I don't really think it was necessary, you know, so no. it's like, why, why did you take a break to do this in the story? Just keep, yeah, but they did. Yeah, I don't know if Wrightson just wanted to draw Kane there or what, but it's kind of weird. <laughs> right. But
0: yeah, this is only a three pager. So then, you know, it just moves very quickly. And, you know, through the story of this guy, basically saying he, you know, changed his identity. And here's what I don't get. So at the end, when he pulls the hood off the reveal, I am Anton Dickerson. And of course, you know, the guy who owns the house now is like, gasp. And he says, the man who murdered himself. And he's like a ghostly figure. And I'm just thinking he changed his identity. So what does that have to mean with murdering yourself? I don't that's the part I don't get here. Why is he the man who murdered himself
2: because he changed his identities? Like, I don't understand. I, I guess that must be it, because he was Andrew Darwood. But then Andrew Darwood was murdered in favor of this anton dickerson taking his place
0: <laughs> yeah it's I, crazy something yeah then, how did he die i can't
2: figure. I, uh, yeah i don't did, know did dickerson
0: die of natural causes then or what and if he did why is his ghost still creeping around and how ha- haunting this place like what's going on it's crazy yeah and we had Kane m- here like maybe the maybe they
2: panel. they asked um haney to uh, co-write this, or maybe he go- ghost wrote it. Uh, no, no pun intended. Mm. <laughs> and then I'm not even going to go
0: anywhere with this. <clears throat> so here is Kane at the very end. Here, after uh, Anton Dickerson says the man who murdered himself, Kane says, <clears throat> or you might call him the ghost who fingered himself. And so, oops, I <laughs> I closed my case book too hastily. Well, next time we'll see you next month with another soul-shaking, mind-numbing story of mystery, but
2: all the more eerie because it's true. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure necessarily what all they were getting at there.
0: <laughs> but yeah, then we got, I uh, they also sometimes had these really cool, interesting things in here. Uh, Sergio Aragones would do these illustrations and stuff like that. He's a... Uh, He's got one here, which uh, it says about cutting out, which is just a crime. Anybody that did that. Oh, boy. I don't know about you. you, you, you uh, oh,
2: no. Oh. Yeah. No, 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 Don't don't do that.
0: Yeah. Don't cut up your comics. But no, no. Uh, I do love Kane's game room. How <laughs> it has a guy and I can't remember what they call these guys, but they used to have that uh, little uh, box and they crank it and there would be a monkey and he'd be doing stuff. What are those guys called?
2: Um, Yeah, I did. The word was. um. Yeah, those guys. Hurly, hurly, girly, hurly, hurly, girly. Those, those guys. <laughs> something, something, girly a man. A something, girly man, or something like that. But yeah, they, they have the box, and, and and it's it's a music box, and they twirl the handle, and then the monkey, which typically is like a capuchin monkey, the little ones with the long tails, mm-hmm. and the little bellhop hat on, mm-hmm. and they they hop around, and hur- hurdy gurdy man, I think is what it was called, because that was like the the machine that was yeah. like a what what is an onomatopoeia? Is that the word of the sound that it made? Well this,
0: girdy, guy, something? Well, well, this insane guy has one and he's cranking the box, which is making electricity. And it's making a Frankenstein monster pick a right. guy up by his ankles and shake the crap out of him. So his money comes out, shake his
2: money out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the one below that is a bully on the beach who's jumping on sandcastles that a little kid is making. And I love this little kid. His solution to that is. He found a broken bottle and he's going to cover one in sand. So the bully jumps on that one. Yeah, that, I, I think that's awesome. <laughs> that sadistic look <laughs> on that little kid's face, man. <laughs> that is fantastic. And then we have uh, conjoined twins. And apparently one is going to end his life by uh, he has a noose around his neck and then tied to a giant rock that he's going to chuck into the river here or uh, the ocean. Right. And the other guy's like sweating, like, dude. <laughs> then we have a little house of a little shop of horrors here where a crazy uh, plant ate one of the uh, workers here at the uh, I don't know if it's a zoo or what it
2: is. What, yeah, whatever it is, the greenhouse, wherever it's at. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: So, all right, well, now we're going to get to the the big one here that has to do with the cover and it's a 10 pager. It's called the widow's walk. And this is a script by Howard post who's a name I'm not really super familiar with. This is a guy that I, I really have to do you know, uh, uh, more research on this guy because it's not a name I recognize, so I mustn't have read much of anything or anything at all of his before this.
2: Neither have I. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if I've ever heard the name before.
0: Yeah, and this is uh, Pencils by Neil Adams, Ink's Joe Orlando, and Letters by Ben Oda. So, yeah, we've got a good one on our hands here. Uh, this one is, uh, when her unloving sailor husband abandons her for the sea, a wife curses him that he shall not Put into port as long as she lives. He is lost at sea, and with her dying breath, she allows him to dock. The rotted hulk rises from the bottom, and the zombie captain sails into port at last. So, yeah, this one's kind of crazy, but art from an art perspective, especially this is one of the first stories that I ever saw from Neil Adams, uh, his uh, work with DC, because I had you know seen it in that uh, that Treasury edition. So, wow, yeah, this one's really wild. I like how it does start out with, you know, this beautiful home uh, on the shoreline here. And this woman, like we saw on the cover, uh, looking out through a telescope. And she says, not yet Angus, just a little while longer. And we see that this creep Angus, I guess, had a relationship with her, uh, Mary, and she's really rich because her father's really rich. And, you know, I guess when he croaks, she's going to get everything. And our buddy Angus here uh, is uh, wise to that. So, he made a deal with her father that if he went out on one of his ships for 3 years that when he came back uh, he'd be able to uh, get his own boat and then marry his daughter as well so uh, that's kind of an interesting deal
2: <laughs> not bad uh, i i would assume at this time of 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 history that the father was kind of betting on the fact that dude would not be coming back after three years. You know, he would ultimately die out there because, you know, whatever the, the life expectancy of seamen was two and a half years or something, you know, so he never expected him to come back was my impression of the entire setup. Uh huh. Yeah, just because of like you know
0: pirates or something, maybe you know there was a
2: lot going on. Yeah, just the hard life and storms, and you go somewhere and you get you know I don't sleeping sickness or you know whatever. Um, I, but I, he, I, um, okay, in in other media uh, that I've consumed, it always seems like people involved with the shipping industry in the early. The mid to late 1700s, all the way up through like the early 1900s. They don't want people that they love in that that business. Mm-hmm. They, they they try to keep them away from it. And I've always assumed because of how harsh it is and how dangerous it is. So the fact that daddy would make a, a, a wager with an able-bodied man that, yeah, here here is your impossible quest. If you complete it, I will give you that which you wish for, I will grant your wishes. And so, you know, he was just didn't figure Duke would come back, didn't want his daughter. I mean, why would you want your daughter to marry a seaman knowing that he goes away for months, maybe years at a time? Yeah. And I don't think he
0: has a real high opinion of him other than being able to be an able-bodied, you know, guy on a boat. That's about all he thinks of this guy because he does. Yeah. He does kind of make a, a statement where he says, I'm a man of my word. You shall receive those things only my daughter do I surrender to you with reluctance. I'm exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm convinced that you marry her only for her inheritance. And Mary's like, father, how can you? And he, you know, kind of like, you know, walks it down a little bit, but, um, you know, the old guy croaks and it's, it's, you know, all she's got all the money, but you know, our good buddy Angus here, he just decides, you know, he's just going to go out on the ship because he doesn't want to come back, uh, to Mary. He just wants to be out on a ship the whole time. And, he doesn't even like Mary. It's like, dude, she's like, by all accounts, really nice and a, a really attractive lady. Like, what's the matter with you?
2: <laughs> yeah. It, and and on top of all that, she loves you, you even though, you know, maybe you're a dork. Uh, she, you know, she's still into you and, and that's what you give back. And it is funny how he does go out to sea
0: again before the old guy croaks. And then uh, all of a sudden there's a, a crazy little like a. Uh, I don't know what you'd call that little box that shows up. It's almost like a looks like a little treasure chest, like a little tiny one. And <laughs> the old guy's like all but on his deathbed and he gets this uh delivery and he's like, gasp, a shrunken head. And I guess it makes him have a heart attack. And he croaks from that. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great illustrations by Adams here, too. You know, when he looks at that shrunken head inside the little, you know. Uh, casket or tr- whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that. the little
2: trunk that the that the semen has
0: Yeah, there. yeah, it's really, really cool. That's a really that's a really good page there, story page six, where it starts out, it's just, you know, in shadow, and then you see the, the close-up on the face, and it's like a green hue to it, and that it's really, really good, and then uh, Angus and Mary there are like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, I thought it would please him. It's like, no, you didn't. You thought it would
2: kill him. <laughs> right, it, it did exactly what you hoped it would.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, they, they get to the reading of the will here, and he says, uh, of course, Angus is there hoping that he's going to get, you know, this, and he's going to get that. And he says, the, the guy reading the will says, First, to my daughter and son-in-law, I mandate ownership of the vessel he captains, that he may hire a new captain to sail it, and he may derive profit from it, therefore, without sailing himself, thereby remaining at the side of my daughter, who loves him so dearly. And the guy's thinking to himself, uh, Angus, the harvest begins.
2: <laughs> yeah, what, what a jerk.
0: Yeah, he's a piece of crap. And then this uh, executor of the will says, second and finally, to my servant, Homer Clyde and his wife, Mildred, I bequeath all my remaining goods and properties, inclusive of my house and sailing ships. They have been as a brother and sister to me and have cared unselfishly for my daughter, Mary, as their own child. So he basically says to the daughter, you know, here's your house and her you know, new husband. Here's your house. And you have all my ships, but, you know, every other penny I have goes to these other people. (laughs) And he gets all pissed off. The house and the holdings and everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's really pissed. So uh, Mary's just like, would you calm down? She's like, Angus, we'll never want for anything. And at long last, we'll have time for each other, please. And he goes, time for each other. That's the worst of it all. You're very your very bearability lays in your father's worth. So he just comes right out and says at this event with all these other people, I only married you for your money. Yeah, basically. It's like, wow, what a turd this guy is. (laughs) So he's like, screw it. I'm going back on my word. I'm going back to my ship. So he's like, it's the only way I can get away from her. He's going to go sailing. Well, when he says that to her, how about that page, page eight here. And she says, if you leave me, Angus, I swear by the power of life itself that I shall will you never to reach harbor until the day I die. And it's like a black and blue panel, and it looks really creepy.
2: Yeah, yeah, you you can tell she is she, she is giving the she is cursing the man, and mm-hmm. it, it definitely looks like that in this panel for sure.
0: Yeah, she doesn't look herself because, like, when you saw the panel right above that, where he kind of tells her off. She looks very different. Like, you know, she just looks like, you know, a a normal woman Mm -hmm. in that panel. Like you said, she almost looks like, you know, a witch casting a spell or something, right?
2: Exactly. Yes. Like, like there's this power in her that you can kind of see now that she's letting you see that you haven't been able to see before this, this dark power.
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, was she into like witchcraft or something like that? Or was this a spur Uh, of the moment thing? You almost wonder, like, I don't think it could be a spur of the moment thing, could it?
2: No, I don't think so. But I mean, we didn't see that she was into anything. I, I think it's just the the level of, of seriousness and the level of severity, both that, you know, she is expressing this. And, and so, we're, you know, she seems kind of um, uh, flighty in, in, in virtually everything else she says. It's very romantically weepy kind of female. And I'm, I'm throwing up the air quotes here, you know, female. For the uh, time, yeah. Yeah, but here in this panel, it's like, uh, no, no, it's not female. This is, you better understand what the woman is saying. Mm-hmm. And then a really good panel there at the end of her standing on that, you know, uh,
0: like a second story, uh, like a uh, balcony or something, watching the ship sail out. And she says, goodbye, Angus, only death can join us now. And yep. <laughs> I do love how, you know, he's out at sea and. I can hear the Gilligan's Island music now that the ship's getting <laughs> t- tossed around and everything. And, you know, he, I've been waiting for you, Angus, and it looks like he's trying to come back. And then all of a sudden, this insane, it's, it, well, I'll read the caption here. It, there's this crazy look on her face, and we see the boat really getting smashed apart by this storm. And the caption box says, in feverish superhuman concentration, the abandoned wife of Angus became, or I'm sorry, Angus Beam lashes out in an ecstasy of hate-driven willpower, almost as if she has some kind of latent powers and she's using them to destroy that ship. Mm -hmm. She says, Angus, you shall not reach harbor, not till the day I die. And a bolt of angry lightning crashes down upon the Mary B in awesome punctuation of the woman's passionate curse. So I'm thinking something like that actually happened here. Like, either she is like a witch or something, or...
2: You know, I don't know that the, the gods were smiling down. on her. <laughs> Exactly. May, may, I, I think more it's, it's the gods just feel for this woman. Um, also point out that uh, this image of her matches very closely what she looked like when she was giving this initial curse.
0: Yeah, and it's really wild. I don't know how it was originally uh, colored in the, the original issue, but in the omnibus edition here, it's her face is like chalk white. And then there's like blue around the lips and around like certain parts of her face. And some parts of it are green and her hair's like this greenish color and around her eyes, it looks really creepy.
2: Yeah. A very, uh, ghoulish, I guess, uh, in a, a drawing, like she's some sort of ghoul. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really neat
0: stuff. And then, <laughs> then the, the final page here, we have, you know, some teenagers on a beach. And they look over and they can hear her up on the top of this house going, Angus, Angus. And the guy, she's still yakking at old Angus. And a girl, no, look, she's falling. And she falls from the top of this house down to the bottom. And the girl there says, call a doctor, someone. And the guy says, too late. And uh, Mary says, now, now, Angus, you may come to harbor. And everybody that's on the beach looks up. And the ship kind of like comes up out of the water and we see uh, our buddy uh, Angus here and he's like, I don't know what you would call this. It almost it says silently the charred rotted Hulk without wind or sail glides into Whaler's Harbor, drops anchor and rest. Captain Angus has come home from the sea. And it almost looks like it's like like when bronze or copper stuff kind of gets like that greenish like I don't know what that is on, you know, on there. Uh- it,
2: it oxidizes or something like that yeah it, it yeah turns color yeah
0: yeah that's that's basically what it looks like happened to him as he's like almost like in a statuesque thing like he was like stuck like glued to the uh
2: the wheel of the boat right and and, and the previous caption though amid the gurgling and bursting bubbles of a gaseous putrefication <laughs> the mary b rises from her watery grave so take those words and then assign this picture of Captain Angus to that. And I think that is, you know, it's colored, interestingly, but I think a better way to to see it in your mind's eye is gurgling and bursting bubbles of gaseous putrefaction. I mean, come on, they took the time to write those wonderful words. We have to apply it to the picture.
0: Yeah, and I do love how when we saw on the previous page, she... Willed it or her power or whatever Mm -hmm. crashed that ship and made it sink. The next page starts out with one day 60 years later. So she smashed that guy's ship and killed him and lived for 60 more
2: years. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And we, we don't know why, but why did she climb to the top of the house just to fall? You know, I mean, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I, I can't imagine she has been standing there for the last 60 years. No, I think it says uh, her daily vigil of a walk,
0: her daily vigil on the widow's walk. So I'm thinking every day or a week or something like that, she, she would, would go out there get and call okay. out. Yeah.
2: And maybe now she was just too old and weak or like tripped or something like that and fell off the house. Yep, I think so. Either that or okay. maybe she even threw herself over the balcony. You never know. Could be. She she was tired of not having Angus and she wanted him to be able to come back home. Yeah. Who, who knows?
0: Yeah, definitely some open-ended stuff there. But yeah, really, really cool. I really like that story. I, like I said, imagine this in treasury format. Oh, man. The artwork Lord. looks
2: even better yeah as, as long as they didn't do that recoloring that they are so apt to do with new publishing of older books, you, you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? The colors often seem oversaturated mm-hmm. and and yeah. so the you know the yellow looks like a banana yellow and the red looks like some haughty bright red lipstick red. and you know I mean, it's just it's the colors for those. When, when they, you know, for for us, for for our benefit, obviously, is why they do it, because that's always how they present it. Recolored yeah. for your—and I'm like, no, no, you, you just botched the whole thing, because that looks terrible recolored.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not really a big fan of that. I think a lot of the things were just—they they were good the way they were. They didn't need to be retouched up. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah I, I understand that, you know, the, the paper is different, and maybe, you know, those— Old eight and sixteen color techniques don't work as well, but with digital, you you can put any color on that glossy paper that you want. Mm -hmm. So you know that that it it just they they just they oversaturate when they recolor, particularly bronze age stuff. The golden age I've noticed it's not quite as bad, but the, the the early. Middle from the middle to the mi- middle silver to the middle bronze. When they recolor that stuff, they just they kill it with this oversaturated, particularly primary colors, it seems. And I, I just. Ugh.
0: Yeah, not a big fan of that either. So. All right. Well, we do have a one pager here. And this one was bizarre to me. I thought to myself, what? Who was uh... I, I don't know. No, I guess I shouldn't, you know, it was a great book, but uh, I don't want to yell at the editor here, but they have this one pager that is on the very last page here called the dead tell tales, Kane's true case files. And it basically is just like telling you about some kind of a police procedure, you know, of uh, trying to use some kind of science to catch
2: people in crimes that were they didn't have enough evidence or something like that. It was really bizarre. Yeah. Almost like a, like a, a re, remaking of of dead people that are uh, that have portions of their body m- missing to try to find out how they were killed maybe or how they died yeah, it's really bizarre. I just was like what like and
0: it just it just seemed like it didn't be long but I was just like okay and good luck finding
2: credits on that one too because I just you you, you can't <laughs> yeah you know just get get a a, a one page spread from some kickass artist and put it in there you know do something yeah. like that. Yeah, I guess it looks like it's uh was maybe, uh, what does it
0: say, uh, from Detective Comics uh, from 1961. So well, maybe they just needed to fill out the page count with one more thing, and they had that laying around.
2: Yeah, <laughs> maybe it didn't. Well, no, it, it would have been actually in the comic, or they wouldn't have referenced it that way, would they? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd, maybe they wanted to pay these people who did it money, and so this was the way to pay them money. I'm not sure. But yeah, you're right. It, it didn't. It didn't. Really tell a story, and I i didn't do any research, so I don't know if it's factual. And if it is, it seems like it's not. So it's this ambiguous kind of, you know, <laughs> is it real or is it not kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, I was just like, what is this shenanigans? Like, this is a weird way to end this issue, man, because to me, that story was great for a, an issue to end on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just end it there. so fantastic but all right, man well that's going to wrap us up on this one so uh, thank you again for joining me uh, Ed I really appreciate it man so uh, where uh, can people find you out there in the ether
2: Um, probably the best place quickest place for sure is to look on twitter at uh, teal productions teal is t-e-a-l anything everything that I do eh, basically that I want people to see or maybe respond to uh, I put on twitter so any podcast that I do Um, I'll put on there um, I'll I'll even you know reshare when when I'm a a guest such as uh, Billy's podcast here when he posts it I'll reshare it retweet it on there too so I mean you see what I do personally and then anything else that I might be on or anything so you get uh, you're you're exposed to other things that that I might be a part of as well and kind of just spread the joy yep actually yeah that's that's the best to do it man just get everything out there that you know we all find fun and uh, you know spread the good word of comics right right absolutely man a lot of a lot of word to spread there a lot of good stuff in comics
0: mm-hmm. so all right well that's gonna wrap us up here so uh, again once again uh, thanks buddy uh, I'm gonna thank you for being on here really appreciate this having a lot of fun with these and then uh, I will be back in a second to wrap things up <laughs>
1: The witches brew their magic potions. Those who partake of this potent liquid will become imbued with an unearthly spirit. But woe to the unfortunate disbeliever, for an evil spell shall be cast upon him. So beware this Halloween Eve, when the earth will be haunted by spooks, ghosts, and hobgoblins. Olive, there ain't no such things. They're just figmentations of the magic illuminations.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up this episode of the show. As usual, everybody get out there uh, and give uh, Ed a follow. You know, he's a good follow. He's definitely a nice guy. So uh, give him a follow, at Teal Productions uh, on Twitter. And then uh, thank you for listening, as always, and uh, catch you next time. See you you. Mm-hmm.